Amen. Amen. That's such a beautiful song. I think that's the first time I've heard that song, actually. Yes, beautiful, very beautiful. You know, as we were worshiping, I, I was just, you know, I, I was just, you know, sense the Lord just speaking to my heart and just, and I'm just looking at all of us as we've gathered here this evening. And in the context of what is going on in our world, and the fear and the panic and the paralysis, and just how quickly that has happened, you know, and I was thinking of that scripture where, you know, the Bible says in the last times and in the end times there will be all sort of stuff and sometimes when everybody thinks oh yeah this is peace everything is perfect and then suddenly things are happening but it says we should not be caught unawares with all of these things uh, because we know thank you because we know that our confidence our rest is not in the visible things in the world we know ultimately it's in our Father's hand. And I was just thinking about it. To know peace and to know a sense of containment and a sense of whatever my loss, I can say it is well with my soul. Must be such a powerful reassurance and such a powerful sense of peace to know that even if tonight was my last night, even if I went to bed tonight and didn't wake up tomorrow morning, I can wake up in glory and I can embrace my Lord and my King and I can look back on my life and say, as we saw in the warnings of that song, it has overcome death. It has overthrown diseases. He has overthrown death. He has given us victory. That death is not the end. It's not the end that we can look beyond that. And see that our God, our King, and our Savior holds us precious in His hands. And I say, what a, what a joy. What a comfort, even in times like this. And so tonight, before we start, I just would like you to just still your heart. And just ponder on that for a moment. You know, I was at a point, I think on Monday, I was saying to Tyro, can I really come for this trip? Should I just cancel it? Because I don't want to get stuck out and not be able to get back to you know, home and all of that. But as I sat there tonight, you know, I just felt such a sense of peace come on and say, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, I'm in his hands. And he holds me. He keeps me. He sustains me. You know, my life is in his hands. To live is for him. To die is for him. Whatever, in life and in death, Christ is glorified. I belong to him. He is mine. As painful and as death is, you know, and as, as painful as that will be, that is nothing compared. As we're singing that song, it's beautiful. I'm just imagining that, you know, it says, when we behold Him, when we stand on that heavenly shore, when we come to that final resting place, when we behold the beauty of Jesus, all of these things pale into insignificance. And so tonight, I just want us to just spend a time, in, a moment in prayer before we just start, and just gaze upon His beauty. It's beautiful. Jesus, you're beautiful. You're beautiful, Lord. You're beautiful, Lord Jesus. You're beautiful. Thank you because you 
took my pain. You took my sins. You did it all for me, Lord, so that I can look that square in the face and say, where is your power? Where is your sting? Where is your victory? Jesus has made it all possible. Lord Jesus, you are beautiful. As I look at our world and look at all that is going on right now, you shine glorious, Jesus. Your beauty breaks through in a magnificent way, Lord. Oh, what a joy to know that my life is hid in Christ my God. It says nothing can beat me, turns the path because he calls me his own. I am yours, Lord. I am yours, Lord Jesus. And you are mine. Oh, what a joy and privilege to be able to sing that to you, Jesus, tonight, Lord. That you are mine and I am yours. Whether in life or in death, I am yours, Lord. I am yours, Lord. May I never lose those wonder, Lord. May we never lose this wonder, Lord, of the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of the salvation that you have purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, we just pray over our world and we pray over our nations, Lord, that may they know something of this beauty of Jesus. Lord, the Bible says, perfect love cast out fear, Lord, that the love of Jesus cast out fear, that the love of Jesus holds us, contains us, keeps us in peace. Lord, may your love break forth over the nations, Lord, as the water covers the sea. Even in this time, Lord, may we see the beauty of Jesus break forth and surpass all the challenges that is, Lord, just raging against our world, Lord. Let your glory, Jesus, be revealed. And let your glory bring peace and containment in our hearts, Lord. Have mercy upon our nations, Lord. Lord, have mercy upon our world, Lord. Draw us closer to yourself, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Tyo, will you come and just bring a song for us, please, yeah. Get stuck with the word. There is a longing only you can fill. A raging tempest only you can still. My soul is thirsty. From the river that flows before your throne, take me deeper, deeper in love with you, Jesus.
Jesus, hold me close in your embrace. Take me deeper, deeper than I've ever been before. I just want to love you more and more. How I long to be deeper. sunrise I will seek your face drawn by the spirit to the promise of your grace my heart has found in you a hope that will abide Forever satisfied, take us deeper, deeper in love with you, Jesus hold us close in your That's the cry of our hearts, Lord. That's the cry of our hearts, Lord, that you will take us deeper, Lord. Take me deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. Deeper than we've ever been before, Lord. Deeper than we've ever been before, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the debt of your spirit that we have known. We thank you for the debt of salvation that we have known. We thank you for the depth of grace that we have known, walked in, and experienced. We thank you for the depth of deliverance, sanctification, purity, manifestation of the power of your Spirit, the fruit of your Spirit manifest in our lives, the work of grace in each of our hearts, the opportunity to be a blessing to our world. We give you thanks for this wonderful and glorious things. But Lord, our heart cry tonight is take us deeper, Lord. That's the cry of your heart, Lord. That's the cry of your heart to come deeper. Even as our brother shared, you're calling us aside, Lord. And you're saying, son and daughter, come aside. Come aside. There is deeper things in God to reveal to you. There is deeper things in God for you to embrace in order to come into the fullness of what I have for you. There is deeper stuff to do in your heart, deeper things to do in your life, deeper things to do in you so that you can go all the way.
to go in the strength of that which I do, the deep things of God in you will take you through and you can run in the strength of that and overcome. You can outrun men and on chariots. You can outrun and all over the walls, go over the fence. You can outrun even seasoned professionals because you are propelled by the depth of the Spirit. That's your desire for us, Lord. And that's the season you're calling us into, Lord, that we will know a deepness in you that is beyond everything we've ever known before because of the great things that you have for us. Calm our heart, Lord, tonight as we come. As a brother shared, as we pray, Lord, this evening, Lord, will you open the eyes of our heart. Let that clarity come, Lord. Whatever it is that has blocked our vision, whatever it is that has served us a distraction, whatever it is, Lord, that has become a weight that has weighed us down, that has hindered us from running with perseverance, the race that you have set before us, Lord, will you call them to fall off tonight, Lord? Shine the light of your Spirit upon us. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Let the fire of your presence come. Purify us, Lord. Sanctify us. Let it burn it off. Everything that is not of you. Every weight, everything that holds us back, everything that hinders us from running with patience, the race that you have set before us, let the fire of your presence come and burn it off, Lord. Let the chains be broken in the name of Jesus. Let the shackles be gone. The veil has been torn. The work is done. We've given us access into the heart of our Father, Lord. Lord, help us tonight to see with clarity. As my brother played with that high definition, Lord, without any distraction, without any hindrance, help us to see with clarity the heart of God for us and your call upon each of our lives so that we will walk with our short steps, Lord, into your calling and into your purposes. I don't know about you tonight, but will you just speak to the Lord? I think let's just go into a time of prayer. Let's just speak to the Lord tonight. Speak to the Lord. I don't know what is the cry of your heart tonight, but let's respond to that word. He calls us to come aside. Are you weary? Are you, are you battle weary? Is your soul run down? Step aside. Come aside, son. Come aside, daughter. Let the refreshing of God come, even upon us right now, Lord. Spirit of the living God, will you come? Refresh our hearts, Lord. Renew our hearts, Lord. Call us aside. Draw us aside. Feel us, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, Spirit of the living God. Come upon us. Come upon us. Quicken us, Lord. Quicken us by your Spirit, Lord. If the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, that same Spirit is able to quicken us. Quickening spirit of the living God, come right now, even in this place, come right now, quicken us in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord, come, Jesus. Come meet with us, Lord. Marusa Catella, brother. A heart is open, Lord. A heart is open, Lord. A heart is open, Lord. Come do your work, Lord. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, Lord. All over this place, Lord. Come, sweet Holy Spirit.
Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, come do your work in us, Lord. Do a quick work in our hearts. Quickening Spirit of the living God. Draw me deeper, Lord. Draw us deeper, Lord, into the power of your spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a real joy to be with you again tonight, and thank you for everyone who's made the effort to be out tonight. Uh, we're going to just uh, just quickly go on. I think we'll just go straight to verse 25, just because of time. We started yesterday evening, for those of you who were not here yesterday, just looking at the story of the father and his two sons. Uh, in the context of what I feel that God is really challenging and calling us into. And as we looked at the younger son yesterday, and just spent a bit of time to look at that, uh, and I felt the Lord drawing us to the point that until the younger son came back to his senses, it could not enter into the provisions of redemption that his father had in stock for him. And all he needed to do was come back into his senses. Everything else the father did. The son repented, turned around, headed back home, and the father did everything else. Because sometimes we think, I have to do everything, and I won't be able to do it. So it's no point anyway. But the son repented, turned around, headed back to the father. The father met him halfway. He didn't even let him finish all his rehearsed speech. He gave him much more than he thought he deserved. And he found himself back at his father's table. And I think we were summarizing yesterday to say, there are times in our lives that the reason why we're cut off and where we cannot see the manifestation of the work of God in our lives is because we're still in that place of unrepentance. And therefore, as much as the Father loves to do stuff with us, he can't really do it until we make ourselves and make our way back home. And then the Father will be able to do what he wants to do. So tonight, we're going to just focus and move very quickly onto the oldest brother, and in Luke chapter 15 from verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Next, please. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost 
and now he is found. And as we look at the story and we look at the older brother, what is the Lord asking us as we look at that older brother? Do we ever see ourselves in the life in the conversation, in the attitude, and in the disposition of this older brother. And both sons have the difficulty with their concept of their father. For the younger son, he was in a rebellious state and didn't want to have anything to do with the father. He just wanted to do his own. But equally, the older son had his issues with the father. Because his perspective of who the father is and what the father represents, as far as he was concerned, was not good enough. And the return of his younger brother revealed what was in the heart of the older brother in terms of his relationship with his father. Even though outwardly it looked perfect because he was at home, he was doing everything the father wanted. And if you look from outside, you will have thought, oh, they are going, getting on really well and everything is perfect. But the entrance of the younger brother into the picture revealed and brought open, out into the open, some of the things that are hidden in the heart of the older brother. Because there was still a sense that the father was not fair and he was not just. And that the father did not value his loyalty and his commitment to him as he would expect it. There was a sense that he did not get what he deserved and the father was not conscientious in meeting his needs as he would expect. There was almost a sense that the father was unjust and almost, you know, dare say, almost foolish and stupid in some of his disposition and in some of his attitude. And this just brought it all out. And he struggled to be able to see the wisdom in his father's action. It was like this was a foolish man who had lost his senses. But what still, it was the dishonor and the heart that that was reflecting on him that made it even much more unbearable. And yet the question is, yes, that was the son's perspective. But was that really, really what the story was about. And we see this father who is challenged with these two sons that he loves so dearly that he cares passionately about, that he wants to see them come into the fullness of all that he has worked and labored and made available for them, yet he's challenged with the perspectives of their lives and he has to walk with them and walk with them to help them come to a place that they will be able to see the way he sees it. And oftentimes, that is the challenge with God the Father as he works with us. You know, sometimes we're in that state of the younger son. But oftentimes, we're in the state of the older son, which is not very, very obvious in most times, but there are deep things in our heart. Where when certain things happen, and then they're laid bare, and then we realize that actually all is not well in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it breaks a father's heart. Because where there was celebration and rejoicing and great patting and going on in the house, the older brother found himself out in the cold, isolated, angry, upset, 
and completely in a state of, you know, just sheer madness. And he could not partake, enjoy, or see the sense in what was going on there. Because of his perspective in this situation. And sometimes in our lives, we don't see what the Father is doing. Sometimes in our lives, we do not see the perspective of heaven. Sometimes in our life, our heart cannot comprehend what God is doing. And that therefore makes it difficult for us to submit to the Father's will and to the Father's purpose in those situations. And that robs us of the intimacy and the pleasures and the blessings of being in a father's house. But to make it worse, we are actually present at home, but we are outside of everything that is going on at home. We are at home. We are doing everything religiously and ritually and you know, whatever we want to do it. But in reality, we have lost the sense of that unity and intimacy with the purpose of our Heavenly Father. And that is a desperate place to be in. And the challenge for us is the same challenge that the Father is bringing to the Son. It comes out to meet Him in that place and is entreating Him and saying, Son, you're not getting this right. You're missing the big picture here. You're accusing me of things you don't even fully understand or comprehend. But all that I have is yours. Everything I've got is yours. All of the provisions, all of the things, because half of the inheritance which belongs to your brother is already taken, it is wasted it. Everything else that is actually left is yours. Everything is yours. It all belongs to you. But you're just not getting this. You're missing out. And yes, we're celebrating with your brother, but that is not a way of saying I value your brother more than you. Or that is not saying I do not appreciate your commitment, your love, and your staying back with me. No, I love you both equally. You're not in competition with one another. It is neither him or you. I love you both equally because you are my sons. I am pleased with both of you. My heart is for both of you. I want to see both of you come into the fullness of all that I have for you. And even though he's messed up, it's still my son and my heart is still for him. And even though you're at home and you're with me, my heart is still for you to bring you into the fullness of all that I have for you. And just as the younger son needed to repent... And get that heavenly perspective. And come to that place where you realize, I'm better in my father's house. I need to submit to my father's authority in order to come into the blessings that he has for me. Even the older brother needs to look at the issues of his heart and realize, my father's heart is for me. But I need to change my perspective. When my perspective clashes with the perspective of heaven, I need to lay that down and lay hold of the perspective of heaven in order to be able to walk in the fullness of what God is trying to say to me. And that's the repentance for us. 
And God kind of, in, a, in almost in a, in a funny way, highlighted that for me in preparation for this meeting. I do not take it for granted that you've given me the opportunity to come here and speak three nights. I, I, I don't take that for granted at all. And I'm there praying on God and saying, Lord, this is such a privilege to be able to gather people and bring them out three nights in a row and be able to share your word. So, Lord, you need to give me something. It's got to be worth their while. It's got to be, you know, and I was, you know, praying and, and, and I was like, you know, we could do this thing, we could do that thing. And, and I was just praying and wrestling with God and God said, no, you need to go back to that same story. We haven't finished it. I think, Lord, we've done that. That's it. How can I go back again? And we do the same story again. You know, you need to give them something fresh, something. And he says, you need to go back there. And then after a while, I suddenly realized, why am I struggling with this? And God began to show me my own heart. There was something of my heart that just, I want to impress these guys. I want them to see that I've really gone and sought the Lord and I brought something fresh and on the cutting edge and all of that. I had lost the Father's perspective. This night is not about me. This night is an opportunity to be a vessel in his hands. The most important thing about this night is not who is standing here and who is speaking. The most important thing about bringing the word of God in a season. The right word for the right time, for the right season. And I had to repent. Because suddenly I realized I was like the older brother in this situation. I had lost the father's perspective. But what shocked me was as I suddenly clicked in my head and said, Lord, I'm, I'm really sorry. Because our desire is not in contradiction here. I don't love you more than the heavenly father. He wants to bless you more than I could ever want to bless you. He wants to make this time a time of great blessing and uplifting and reviving and refreshing. More than I could ever desire. But it has to be God's what God is doing. It's not about what I want or what I want to do with this night. It's about what does God want to do in this night and in this session. And if he wants to repeat the same message 30 times, it's for him to do that. Mine is to say, Lord, I submit to your will. Help me to see your perspective. Submit to it. And then you do what you want to do with it. But what shocked me was as, as I came to rest in that and I went back to those passages it actually began to show me some of what I'm beginning to share with you now, which I'd never seen like that before in those passages. And when I was preparing it for last year, my mind just never went there at all. And suddenly I saw, you know, the foolishness of my ways. It's just a small thing, but you can amplify that and multiply that in so many other spheres of our lives. Whereas the, as the older son, we kind of feel we know it. You know, we've been long in this stuff, you know. You know, I'm I, I matured here. You know, we've, we've handled the word of God. You know, we, we know what we're doing here. We can sit and judge. We can discern. We can tell other people what they need to do. And sometimes we, we can almost tell God what he needs to do. And if you're doing it that way, God, you're not doing it well. You know, you should be doing it this way. You should be listening to me. And, and we just get carried away and we'll lose the perspective of heaven. And when we're talking about revival, because let's go back to the beginning of the story. What was this whole story about? The Pharisees were accusing Jesus of interacting with sinners and with non-entities and people he should not be identifying with. Why is your master interacting with all of these people? They're not good enough. It should be, you know, it, it, that's not what we expect of the Messiah. And then Jesus began to tell them and began to say, my father's heart is for the lost and for those who are there. He wants to bring them into the kingdom. He wants to see them come into the reality of his inheritance that he has prepared for them. 
And that was the challenge Jesus was bringing to them. And if our desire is to see a revival and to see sons and daughters restored into the kingdom, we cannot have the attitude of the older brother where we will get offended with what God might start to do when the revival breaks forth and we'll say, no, that's not the way we expect you to do it. Not that one, not that way, not that, you know, no, no. And, and then suddenly, rather than rejoicing and celebrating and joining in the back, in fact, rather than become part of the story of bringing the younger sons and restoring them home and encouraging them to be restored, to come away from where their waywardness and joining our father in bringing sons and daughters up. We're there and we're judging everything and saying, mm, no, mm, no, no. You know, you know, and, and we just will lose the perspective of heaven. And rather than become vehicles that are delivering younger sons home and bringing restoration and redemption, we almost become a stumbling block to what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of his people. But watch till we become a stumbling block to see the revival of God break forth upon our land, upon our nation. See men and women come into the knowledge of Christ. And I felt the Lord says, in order for you to get to that place, you need to repent of your perspective of me. You need to come off the high horses of your lordship and surrender to the lordship of Christ. And that for each one of us will be different. But there are certain aspects of our life. And I'm not saying that's the state we're in all of the time. But there are certain times and in certain situations or in certain places where we just have said, Lord, I am in control here and I will determine what happens there. You can do whatever you like with this beat, but when it comes to this no way, your hands are off. I, I've got that soft style. That's what's going to happen. And yet God is saying, sometimes you miss the perspective completely. Whereas what I want to do in these days is to bring us into that perspective of heaven. That we can discern what the Spirit is saying. That we can become like men of Issachar. The Bible says there were men who had an understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do at every point in time. Because they were surrendered and yielded to the work of the Spirit in their lives. And as we yield and surrender to that, then we become vessels in Father's hand. So that ultimately we can begin to welcome home the sons. I was sharing yesterday about some of the challenges of the prodigal. For some of the prodigal, like I was saying to you, that welcome home is the beginning of the step. There is a rehabilitation process. There are many prodigals that are struggling in the church today because the big brothers will not allow them to flourish. Because the big brothers are quick to remind them of where they have come. They're quick to remind them, to judge them, and to tell them how undeserving they are of the privileges they are enjoying as such. Left to me, you'll be out of the door. But for the father, that is not the call of God upon our lives. The call of God upon our lives is to join the father in the business of restoring sons. I remember the story of Lazarus. When Jesus called Lazarus forth, raised him up from the dead, he came out. What was happening? He was still wrapped in barrier clothes. As if, have you ever wondered the power that could raise the dead? Could that power not have shredded all those, all those grief clothes and get this guy springing out? 
and running 100 meters. But yeah, the Bible says he came out and he was still wrapped in grave clothes. And then Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. And sometimes I used to joke, I said, imagine if the people refused to listen to Jesus. Say, well, if you cannot raise him from the dead and make that complete, well, it's up to you. Lazarus will have died from suffocation. If the people have said, well, Jesus, if you can't do it, we've got no part to play here. You do it, otherwise, he will have died from suffocation. And all of that glorious work of miraculous intervention will have been wasted because the people around Lazarus refused to obey Jesus, unwrap him, and let him go. God will do what God will do, but he asks us to do what he wants us to do. When we refuse to do what he's asked us to do, actually, sometimes, we may undo what God is doing. How many Lazaruses in the church of God are dying today? Not because the power of God is not available to raise them from the dead. But how many Lazaruses today are dying from suffocation? And then we say the power of the word of God is without effect. It is effective. Underneath all those grave clothes, Somebody is alive there. The power of Christ is reaching into those death situations and is making them alive. But he's commanding you and I to go, walk alongside them, walk with them, unwrap the grave clothes and release them into the fullness of the inheritance that God has for them. That's the call of God on each one of our lives. And the big brother spirit hinders that, prevents us from walking, and we end up sending them back. And sometimes God is not going to send them away because he doesn't want us to kill them. He might send them to the guy next door who is going to do what he's actually asked them to do. So as we look at the story and as we, and as we, as we round up, you know, I just have a real sense that God, as part of that call to come deeper, what are the issues of our lives that our perspective is clashing with the perspective of heaven? What is the demand of the cross of Christ upon your life that you're feeling is too big a price to pay? What is the Lord putting his finger on and you're saying everything but that, Lord? The reality is that that hinders you, hinders me from coming into the fullness of the blessings and the purpose of God for my life and for your life. And to neither challenges, will you surrender that? Will you lay that down? Will you submit to the authority of God over that situation? When your intellect clashes with this wisdom. When your personality clashes with its purposes. When your desire is at odds with the desire of heaven. When the call of God upon your life... It's clashing with your desires of your life. Who's going to win that battle of wills? Are we going to be like Christ and say, Lord, even though I wish this cup will pass over me, but not my will, but let your will be done. Because the Bible says, for the glory that was set ahead of him, he endured the cross. Because he could see, he could see, he could see. He had the heavenly perspective. And he endured because he could see the glory that was set before him. And so when he read that scripture, I just felt it's just so 
appropriate. It's just so right that when we see with the clarity of the purposes of God, we find the grace, we find the strength, we find the courage to lay hold of God. And not just that, God comes along and makes it happen. Just as he ran to help the younger son, the father runs to the older son and entreats him. He does not leave him to walk it all out by himself. He goes alongside him and helps him and gives him a right perspective and says, son, you're missing this point here. Your brother was dead. It's the life we need to celebrate. But everything is yours. The father still comes along and helps him with a heavenly perspective in order to help him move from where he is to where he needs to be. And when we open up ourselves and give him the chance to come and do that work, he will still do the same thing. He will give us his perspective when we allow him and submit to what he wants to do and what he wants to walk through us. So my prayer is that the Lord will shine his light in our hearts tonight. What does it mean to go in repentance? We have to be specific. We have to be honest. We have to be transparent. It's not wishy-washy. Sometimes God will be specific and he'll be putting his hands on that specific issue. Like he came to the older brother. He didn't say, oh, why are you hanging here? He says, I know why you're hanging here. You're angry. What are you angry about? You're angry because your younger brothers come. Okay, let's address that. So the extra vision of God will come and it will search us out. And it will put his finger on those issues and those areas and begin to dialogue with us. And as we've sung, as we've prayed, as we've cried out today, I pray that when the light of God shines upon that, the response of our heart will be, Lord, have your way. Have your way, Lord. I'm going to embrace your perspective in this situation. I'm going to embrace your perspective in this demand of your spirit. I'm going to embrace your perspective in this walk that you're calling me to. I'm going to embrace your perspective in this challenge that you're laying before me. I'm going to embrace your perspective and walk in the purposes that you're putting before me. Because in walking in that path, we will come to that place where we will see the manifest glory of God. And we will come into the fullness of the inheritance that the Father has prepared for us. But much more than that, we will be partnering with our Father to see His heart and His purposes come to pass in our lives and become that vehicle that is bringing about restoration and wholeness and just expanding His kingdom and bringing blessing and healing and wholeness to our brothers and sisters as they come in contact with us through the power and the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Let us pray. Band, will you come, please? Yeah. By the help of God, tomorrow there will be a lot more opportunities for response and a time of prayers and, and ministry and, 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 and kind of pressing into God. But I just feel it's important to lay some solid foundations over the two days to let the Lord really stare our heart and challenge our heart and to do that work personally. And I'm then trusting God we come together tomorrow in the, in the power of the Spirit and in the, in, the, in the grace of our corporate gathering together. And then we can press in on one another, support one another, and pray a blessing and just, just, just see what God wants to do and work through us. But for tonight, I think it's important that you lay hold of that for yourself and let the Spirit bear upon you, if I can use that phrase. Have a sense of the weight of the Spirit upon you tonight. 
and let him begin to press you. Let him begin to, as we pray, do a deeper work. Not a superficial work, but a deep work. But don't resist that deep work of the Spirit. Because it's the work of your loving Heavenly Father. It's the work of redemption and restoration and release. It's not the work of condemnation or guilt. It's the work of freedom to release you to be all that He has for you and all that He has for me. So we'll just respond in worship and, and then we will close. If you really feel the need, you want somebody to pray with you, feel free to come. The ministry team will be here to be able to support that. But otherwise, I just want us to respond individually and just, and just let's just press into God and see what He has for us.